Hello and uh, welcome to another edition of If My Feet Could Talk, uh, the podcast where we tell stories of our adventures through life, be it ultra running or mental health or any other sporting activity um, and any other stuff really we want to chat about. Um, a little catch up with me. Uh, we're now in July. I'm still run streaking 411 uh, days in a row today. Um, last weekend, I ran uh, 50 miles. I did a 10k interval starting at midnight on Saturday. Uh, every third hour, I'd run uh, a 10k. Um, went all right. I managed to f- finish it. I had friends come out halfway and join me for a 10k, which was quite nice. Uh, that gave me a second. Second wind, and I managed to complete it. So, keep an eye out for a blog on that. That's coming out soon on ultrarunningmatlow.co.uk. Bringing you on now to my next guest. I feel she doesn't really need intro- introducing. However, you know, some of you may not know her. We're very blessed in this country to have some of the best ultra runners in the world, endurance athletes. Um, and she is definitely one of them. Um, you know, we've got the likes of Jasmine Paris, Nikki Spinks, uh, Beth Pascal, um, and my next guest is no, no different to amazing. You know, um, she's running jungles, deserts, ice. She's won races. She's a multiple uh, world record holder. Uh, she's doubled races, so she run the race and then run back it's absolutely mad a running cv is immense um but here we go ladies and gentlemen i give you the marvelous mimi anderson hello mimi how you doing how's the family i'm good thank you very much yeah no my family are good it's only my husband and i actually at home <laughs> it's quite nice we've had uh, not bad lockdown. Tim was, uh, he got the coronavirus actually. So he was not well for three weeks. Oh. Um, yeah, no, not very nice. But thankfully he didn't have to go to the hospital. He was quite close to it. Um, but it took him another three weeks to then get over the illness. So yeah, not nice. Is he, he recovered he, now? Is he all, all... He, he has recovered now. Yeah, he has. But it took him a long time, mm. you know, it's sort of, um, and he said he's never felt in so much pain in his entire life. I mean, everything ate and of course then you get the breathing then you get the kidneys and i mean everything else that they're now discovering that uh, you get with yeah. it he had so but anyway he's thankfully one of the lucky ones he's he's all right and did you manage to get it or do do you not know or well i don't know i haven't had it confirmed he's had a test and things so they know that he's had it uh, but no I, I mean i felt ill for about three or four days but nothing like Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was worried because I'm an asthmatic, so I thought, oh, God. Um, yeah, but no, compared to him, no, he, he was furious, actually. He said, well, not furious that I didn't guess it. He said, how come every time? He said, you just sail through these illnesses. I went, I don't know. I don't know. So perhaps I haven't had it. I don't know. Well, you may have just carried it. You, this is this is the weird thing about it. Nobody actually knows half who's had it, who hasn't. And some people have got away with it. Some people haven't. It's, yeah. it's bizarre. Um, so normally I would get my guest to give a little introdu- uh, introduction um, about themselves. But before I do that, what I'm going to do is go through some of your achievements, just in case there is a listener who does not know who you are. And I'll be very surprised if they don't. Um, 
so obviously I'm taking this off your off your website although I know there's more that you've done yep. um, that's actually on here but we'll go for what's in your website and then I might add some of the stuff extra on top of that as well so in 2007 uh, you were the overall winner and course record holder of the 6633 extreme ultra marathon uh, which is a race non-stop 352 miles across the Arctic uh, and you did it in 143 hours and 23 minutes you you were the female record holder for two in 2008 for the John O'Groats the Land's End it's recent, not long been uh, surpassed yeah this, this year this year yeah, it, was, yeah. it was quite recent wasn't it yeah. But up until then you were holding that record for the fastest woman uh, to run for John O'Groats the Land's End in that 12 days and 15 hours and 46 minutes uh about 140 on miles um most people know john goes to lands End, so they'll be able to start comprehending how big a deal that is you did the double comrades in 2009 first female and the fourth person ever to achieve that um <laughs> comrades is one of the greatest legendary iconic ultra marathons that we ever know over in uh, south africa yeah and they do it one way, one year, and then they do it the other way. But you decide to do it both anyway. Um, Grand Union Canal in 2010, 145-mile uh, non-stop race in under 45 hours. You managed it in a new course record of 28 hours and 12 minutes. Zambian Desert Challenge in 2010, overall winner. That's a five-day staged race over 220 kilometers. The Double Badwater in 2011, uh, female course rock record order for that 292 miles uh, well that was uh, that, that that was just breaking the that well it wasn't a course record as such i was breaking there there are lots of people who do sort of the double so i was just trying to break the sort of the fastest female crossing at the time yeah, so which you did in 108 such. hours 10 yeah, minutes yep. uh spotathlon in 2011 um which you then went on to do a double spartathlon a few years later, if I remember rightly. I did, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember tracking you all the way on, uh, on, the, on the track of both directions for that one. Um, you were the first, third female and first Brit home in 2011. Spartathlon yep. is one of the hardest races to qualify for, so that's just showing you that, how good um, that achievement is. Overall world record for M to M, which is the top of... Top of Ireland to the bottom of Ireland, 345 miles, 2012, three days, 15 hours and 36 minutes. Uh, the Viking Way, 146 miles non-stop, third overall uh, female finisher, the only female finisher today. We're still going here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you, yes, you won the Female Performance of the Year in 2012, awarded by the UK Ultra Running Awards for the fastest crossing of Ireland. Double Grand Union Canal in 2013. Um, so what you did previously, but double that. A Cypress Ultra, uh, the only finisher, and new course record in 135 miles in 2014. Um, Freedom Runner 2014, 1,968 kilometers. I can't pronounce that. Where is it? P Peter, Peter, Peter Maritzburg. So across oh, South Africa, basically. Yeah, for over 32 days. Um, now you and then you start going into your cycling and everything else which we'll touch on later on but that's just just going through that it even to me who's, who's, i've done what well, i think i've done 
some amazing things. So that list is just unbelievable. Um, <laughs> you just you just read it and you just think, wow. <laughs> you know, the, the old podcast is adventures of basically what our feet have taken us on. And if they could talk, what would you, what do you reckon? It's not part of my question I've laid down, but what do you reckon your feet would say to you now? You've, after going back then, what would your feet say to you after doing all that? What do you They'd reckon? probably kill me, actually, <laughs> having put them through all of that. If you, you toss up all the miles. I think they've had a great adventure, my feet. I you know, think... Yeah, they've they, they've been all over the world, you know, through mud, through rain, through rivers, dry, yeah. hot, cold deserts. I mean, who wouldn't be happy? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I I know obviously I've I've followed you for quite a few years, and you've run in the jungle, you've run across ice, you've run across deserts, um, you've run obviously in various countries like India and stuff like that. Um, you know, your feet haven't stopped really up until recently um yeah. so your adventures are amazing and it's been um oh, i just can't get over following those journeys that i've had the the fortunate to, to 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 follow you with but if we scroll back all those years to when you were a child were you a sporty child growing up where are you from where are you from originally uh, well my father was in the army so we, and I was born in Singapore, actually. Um, oh, and apparently, according to my mother, I could, I know, um, I could swim before I could walk, which considering now I have this sort of fear of water, <laughs> you'd, you'd never know. I used to sit in the bottom of rivers and just play with pebbles and things. Um, but yeah, I, I, was I sporty? I was at school. Yeah, I used to ride a bike as a child. Um, and we used to do camping holidays and stuff, but, um, and we skied, we did lang lad things, cross country skiing. And then at school, I was, I, yeah, I was quite sporty. I was in the team sports at school. So I played hockey and netball and rounders and that sort of thing. Um, we didn't have athletics at my school. Um, mm. I'm a bit too old for that. I think it appeared the year that I left, which is a bit upsetting, but I loved team sports. So I didn't really know anything about running i didn't follow running i didn't know anything about marathons or half marathons or anything like that at all it was just so something you did as part of the sports that you were involved in running around yeah yeah absolutely so it was a team thing and so you, you know you're sort of very different very different so you know you spend however long on the, on the pitch and then you you go off again but uh, yeah i, I love that i was team captains and things so i did enjoy that bit okay so Obviously, when you left school, what, where, where, where did you go from there? Uh, we were based in Edinburgh at the time. And so I went to college. I, I, I decided I went to an all-girls school, uh, which I loved. And so when I left school, I'm a bit of a rebel, really. I'm a bit naughty. Uh, I just, I discovered boys and, and I just wanted to enjoy myself. And I took up smoking when I was, I mean, not very much, but when I was 17 I think I, I had a cigarette out, outside the school window in my top dorm feeling very naughty um, and I actually enjoyed it which was the worst possible thing to, to do so after leaving school really I partied I drank quite a lot I smoked cigarettes and I had a fantastic time exercise didn't even come into my world at all not at all didn't exist so you had, you, had, you had a standard childhood basically in your yeah. later teens, you know, um, I think most people of teenage years and upwards, once they've, especially with, with young boys, young men, 
you know, once they've discovered beer and females, you know, whatever sporting activity they, they were doing, most go off and enjoy themselves. It's the very few that have pushy parents that continue along on their, on their sporting prowess, I would say. Um, and then after school, did you start work and what did yeah, you? Yeah, um, so I, um, I, I went to, I was doing a medical secretarial course, which I left after a year actually. Um, and my father said uh, they, they had a flat in Edinburgh, which I rented or that I, I lived in. And uh, my father, who's very strict, said, right, you've got a month to find a job. And if you don't find a job, then you have to come home. And I thought, oh, no. I mean, I love my parents, but, you know, I just didn't want to go back and, and live at home again. So I found a job within two weeks. Uh, I started working at a firm of architects as a, just a receptionist. And then moved up from there and became sort of PA and did, did that sort of thing. So I, I then moved to London couple of years later uh, with Tim and I then worked for um, I can't remember who I worked for a firm of solicitors and then I got uh, Tim and I got married and then I got pregnant um, so I had my first child when I was 23 um, so you had your first I think sorry carry on but no, no no I think Tim yeah so my first child um, Emma was born a uh, year after actually. And uh, so I think my husband was hoping that I would go back to work. And I had planned to go back to work because I didn't feel remotely maternal <laughs> at all actually. So I thought, oh, don't worry about me, I'll go back to work. Well, of course, as soon as I had the baby, um, I just didn't want to go back to work at all actually. So I was very lucky. Um, I didn't have to go back to work, but I did find stuff that I could do at home to earn some money. So. Um, I used to make people's wedding dresses and evening dresses and things like that. So I did that for about 15 years. And, and Tim was in the army at this point, was he? No, he had left the army. So we came to London because he did his resettlement course oh, right, yeah. in, uh, in London. Yeah, so he's, he was ex-army at that stage. So, so you obviously you've had your, had your children and, and, and years of tickleball. When did you start finding your love for you know, moving faster on two feet? Well, I think it started really when I was pregnant with Emma, um, I went swimming. Uh, well, I say swimming. Um, I, I'd literally get in the water and do breaststroke because I can't, I couldn't put my face underneath the water. So I would do breaststroke, you know, with my head firmly above the water, really slowly. So you can't exactly call it exercise at all. Um, and I looked like a beach whale, actually, with, with, with my eldest daughter. <laughs> it's very depressing. And then after I had Emma, I then started going to the gym. Because I think, again, it was quite a good way. I needed to get back to, um, I had an eating disorder before I was pregnant with Emma, which hadn't completely disappeared. So it resurfaced again once I'd had her. So for me, I needed to get back into shape. So I started going to the gym. And, then, and again, I didn't do any running in the gym. I literally did, I did a lot of classes. You know, you had step classes and leotards and things in those days. So that's what I did there. Um, and then it wasn't until after I'd had, uh, it was number three, so Harry. So once my third child was, was born, and well, actually in sort of a few years old, I, I then, that's when I discovered running. I sort of, um, I'd never liked the shape of my legs. It, it, again, this all goes back to childhood. 
So it doesn't matter how fat or thin I become, I just don't like the shape of my legs. You know how some people want to have long hair or blue eyes or whatever. I just wanted nice thin legs. And uh, so somebody suggested that uh, running was the way forward. So I went to the gym and that was it. Stood on a treadmill for the very first time. And that was the beginning of my running career. If you how old like. were you then at this, at this point in time? Uh, 36. So, so, like me, you oh. started pretty late into life and finding, yeah. finding the love for, for running. And how was that first few steps for you? Can you? Oh, terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it sounds really silly, isn't it? But, you know, when you get on the treadmill, you think, it's like anything, isn't it? You think that everybody's watching you. In fact, nobody is remotely interested in what you're doing. You know, they just think you know what you're doing, so they're, they're not watching you at all. But I was convinced that I was going to fall off the back of the treadmill or make a complete fool of myself. But I, I didn't know anything about the process of running. I mean, yes, you can run for a bus or run for something or run around with the kids, but the processes of running, I didn't know anything about it. So I thought, okay, I'll start with mixture of running and walking because we didn't have the internet like we do now you know now you can just google something and, and you can get a program um we had nothing like that all those years ago so i literally just started running and walking and set myself a goal of being able to run for one mile um you know that could have been 100 miles at the time so when i achieved that oh i tell you i'm so pleased i mean i'm so pleased with myself um, and then I set myself a goal of being able to run for three miles. And I think in the army, is it right? You have a test in the army. I can't remember what it's called now when you're, you're wearing a full kit and you have to be able to run three miles in a certain amount of time. Is yeah, it 24 minutes or something? Yeah. So I think I set myself that time. I mean, I didn't have the pack on, I might add, but I thought, right, I'm going to set myself that time. That's what I'm going to achieve. Because I like quite liked goals. Because if, if I didn't have a goal or something, I'd, you sort of slightly drift. So I achieved that, um, and everybody in the gym knew about it. You know, I was ecstatic, ecstatic. That Were you I'd running around high fiving everyone? Oh, I was just yes. You know, no, I mean, I think crazy I was, woman. And you're like, yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was so red in the face, and you know, I just couldn't breathe. I mean, it, but you know, it didn't matter what I looked like. It was just. It was such a lovely feeling. Uh, and then from there, that I met these three women or two women in the gym who uh, had gone running. And they said, look, come on, Minnie, we're going outside. And, you know, next week we're going to go and do a 10-mile run along the Cuckoo Trail, which is in East Sussex. Not, not that far from me, but it's flat. Um, it's a disused railway line. And they said, well, we're going to do 10 miles. Why don't you come and join us? And I thought, God, 10 miles? You know, I'd only run three miles, for goodness sake. Ten seemed like an awful lot of, you know, quite a big distance step up. Anyway, I went and, yeah, complete revelation because I'd never run outside. I'd only ever run on the treadmill. I actually didn't realise people ran outside. I mean, that's, you know, because, again, back then you didn't see loads of people no. running. And I lived in the country, so I was going to see even fewer people really running. Um, but I loved it absolutely loved it it was like you know i said before it, it it was like being given a pair of wings and i could fly and i just it was that feeling of just total elation really i think i just it used to take yourself out of yourself if you see what i mean and you know you you can 
you can forget about your worries. You can sort stuff out and you can just, it, it was me time. And, um, and it was really lovely to enjoy. And I loved it, enjoy it. I just always just remember that, that, that last mile when I, I just picked up the pace. I had no idea what pace I was going. I didn't have watches and things. And I just ran. And when I finished, I, I felt fantastic. I mean, I couldn't walk the next day, but I felt fantastic at that moment. You know, that, that was my freedom. So at that point, um, obviously you, you, you touched that you had uh, an eating disorder. Did you find that running was now starting to help as a coping mechanism with, with your mental health on this side of things? Uh, well, my sort of eating disorder, I'd, I'd sort of I'd get got rid of. You never totally get rid mm. of eating disorders. I mean, you, you manage them, and they, but I think a little bit of them always stays with you. So I had actually got help for that when uh, my son was 18 months old. Because again, through each pregnancy, I was managed to not have an eating disorder um, because I had to think about the baby, not about myself. And that, I did find that quite difficult, but I managed it. So I had three very healthy quite large babies actually um but as soon as the babies are born you know that was it poof back to being me again i'm you know so the the cycle would would restart so i remember after my second child i just thought you know i can't keep on doing this for the rest of my life behaving in this way because a it's not fair on the children when they're you know older to think that it's normal for mummy to you know push the food around her plate or disappear to go and be sick or you know whatever yeah um, I didn't want that for, for my children. So I ended up going to St. George's Hospital um, outpatients uh, for quite a long time. Uh, it took a long time to get seen in the first place, even then. Um, and I was with walking, within walking distance of, of St. George's and I was under somebody called Professor Lacey, who's sadly since died. But uh, they were very good. But unfortunately, the outpatients system didn't work for me so I was still losing weight at this stage and so they said right you've got to go into hospital um and I went and looked around an eating disorder unit and they're hot, it, terrifying absolutely terrifying places um and it's so sad to see you know the, the people in there I mean you know what amazing extraordinary people but they're in, incredibly ill and I remember going to talk to one of the girls there she was she was in a room so when you arrive, you're put into, you're in a room on your own. The, the, the rooms have got bars on, so you can't open the window and throw out your food. If you want to go to the loo, you have to be put in a wheelchair. You know, everything is very, you're very confined. Mm. Um, and you stay in that room. Uh, I mean, you're allowed to, I think you go out for various activities and things, but you basically stay in that room. No form of exercise at all until you put your target weight on and you keep your weight on. I don't know whether things have changed. They might well have done, but that's what they did. And so I remember talking to this girl who was about to come out of her room um, and go into the main sort of bit of the, 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 sort of the hospital uh, because she had maintained her target weight for a certain amount of time. And I just said to her, I said, oh, I said, you know, really, could you've done so well, but I said, you're so, so thin still. And she looked at me and she said, have you looked at yourself? And it was the first time, I think, really, that I had ever thought of myself as being thin. I mean, I thought she was painfully thin still. And yet I was thinner than she was. Yeah. Um, which was pretty scary. Pretty scary, actually. Anyway, I ended up not going into the hospital. Um, I ended up 
um, I couldn't face it actually with, it was quite difficult with two children. Um, so I went through, um, I was hypnotized. I went to a professional hypnotist three times or twice a week for a year. Um, so it drags up all your past yeah, yeah. and why you do what yeah. you do in the first place is another form of therapy. So I discovered why I had become, got my eating disorder and everything. And so, yeah, so, so, so I now have a very different relationship with food. But I think what running has taught me is that actually food isn't there as a, um, it, it's not something to be frightened of. It's, you know, it is there as a fuel. You know, it's, it's a bit like, have, you know, when you have a car, if you want to go from A to B, you've got to put petrol in it. If I want to race, I've got to put fuel in the tank. Otherwise, I'm not going to get to the end of that finish line. I might, but I'm not going to get there in the best possible form. No. Um, and I'll be very ill. Um, and I just, you know, so you have to eat. So I have a very different relationship with food now. Well, obviously, you've, you've managed to keep yourself going through the running at this point, and you've moved on. But what made you think, I know, I'm going to step into the world of long distance. I'm going to tow toe the line and do, you know, the marathon disasters as you've done and various other ultras. What, what was it that was like, you know what, I'm going to go a bit further than most people? Well, I think it was, um, well, it was an adventure, wasn't it? You know, bear in mind at this stage, I so when we did the marathon de Saab, I'd been running for 18 months at that stage. And, um, and I think I had a friend of mine, it seemed quite normal at the time. And a friend of mine had got, I had nothing to compare it to, you see. So I think that's, so it, it was my sort of normal, I suppose. But um, we'd done half a marathon and a few other bits and pieces. But the furthest I had run was a half marathon. And this friend, literally one of the girls that I ran with, came into the gym one day and she handed me this magazine. And she just said, maybe this is our next race. And I just looked at it and it was pictures of, people in the desert and you know blistered feet and I just oh my god that looks fantastic doesn't it so it wasn't I didn't think about the distance <laughs> didn't think about the heat so I just thought what an adventure that was going to be you know it was so far away from my world as a mum with three kids but I just wanted to go and do it I didn't know whether I could but I wanted to go and do it and you give wanted it a, go. a little bit of adventure away from your normality at home um finding whether it was the desert yeah it was an, it was yeah it but it was an opportunity um to and and of course again that then we didn't know about there were very few races in the uk at that stage that were long distance you know the ultra running world didn't exist in any way like it does now you know it was tiny and, and even the mds we had to apply through the post when i did badwater i had to apply for badwater through the postal system you know now it's all done on the internet oh, yeah. but yeah so I think for me it was it, it could have been any adventure but it just um it just happened to be the MDS and uh, yeah and when I finished that and I was quite ill when I did did that but when I finished it I just thought you know if I was that ill you know imagine I just finished the, a, a race that was billed to be the toughest foot race on earth I mean you know we all know that there's some others that are much harder but you know it's all relative isn't it but at the time it was billed to be the toughest foot race on earth and I just thought you know if I if I can finish a race like that feeling that ill and being that ill imagine what I can do if I'm feeling you know 100% yeah yeah 
so that that's why I then well continued it just seemed to be I think my husband thought I was going to stop at that stage <laughs> so obviously you found your love now for endurance running what was your for these events you know whether you're doing double spartathlon or just a normal spartathlon what was your training regime like what was you know what what were you doing week on week out well, it did vary depending on what I was doing. So something like the Spartathlon, um, I, I would do, I mean, I, I don't do really high mileage. Some people do very high mileage. I, I sort of don't. Um, but, you know, I would do the speed work. I'd have a route, which is a 10 mile route from my house. Um, and once a month I would do that to sort of see, to test my pace. Um, and once I got it to a certain, um, at a certain sort of time, I remember finishing it going, yes, now I'm ready for the Spartathlons, you know, because I can now do that. So, I would do, you know, I would do much faster stuff. So go out and do a marathon, um, but try and sort of pace it and do, um, you know, I'd still do all the hill work because, of course, Spartathlon is very hilly. So I would have my t two longer runs that I would always do. Um, I tended to do those during the week um because the the weekends were sort of family time or time with my husband and i always had one day off every single time i didn't really do many weights and stuff in those days so um i didn't really do a huge amount of that but no i think my training was probably very similar to other people's um but i did it was it was it was just getting the pace right i'm not a naturally fast runner i think you know i quite happily sort of plodding along um, so it was getting the pace, you know, doing 10 Ks and doing speed sessions and things like that to get my, my pace up and hill reps and things. You're not naturally a fast runner, but you have to be pretty quick to qualify for Spartathlon. It's, you know, you have to qualify to, to enter. It's not one of these races you can just pay online and just give it a go. Um, so you have to be reasonably quick. No, no, no. So, yeah, you do, you do, but I've never. I don't do a lot of marathons because I, I just find that um, I've I've done about six marathons, um, and I remember meeting John Foden in I think two thousand and four or something, and he said to me, oh, "Mimi, you use the guy who set up the Spartathlon," and he said, "Mimi, you've got to you've got to do the Spartathlon." I went, "John, no, forget it, absolutely forget it. It's way too fast for me. I I just can't do it." Um, anyway, all those years later, I thought if I don't get on with it now and do it, um, I'm actually, I think it's much harder to enter now, to be fair, but I'm, I'm going to be too old. <laughs> I certainly won't be able to get any speed up. Um, and I, and I actually, I loved it. It's one of those races when you come into the finish line, you're running towards that, the statue and you run up the steps and you kiss the feet of the King and you just, oh, and that's the end of the race. It's just the most fantastic finish. The streets are lined with other competitors who finished and they're cheering you and, you know, got drinks in their hand. And it's just the, the most spectacular finish to any race. Uh, I, I think when, uh, when we eventually get them back, it's going to be a different type of finish. So they'll, they'll be wiping it first, but, you know, with, with Dettol before, before anyone kisses the, these feet and rocks at the end of races. Um, so, do you have any advice for um, people that are already running um, and they fancy, you know what, I fancy doing something slightly different, like you did, doing, you know, 
running from Ireland north to south, double Spartathlons, double bad waters. Most people just do one. Do you have any advice out for people that are thinking, I don't know whether to give it a go or not? Well, I think, you know, for something like Ireland, or let's say you want to go and do an adventure, um, yes, go for it. You know, if you're going for a record, then I think obviously you've got to get the sort of the experience of, of doing that sort of distance and the experience of, sort of doing sort of multi-day and, um, and things anyway. So that's different. But if you want to go and have an adventure and run from the top to bottom of Ireland or run across South Africa or whatever it might be, do you know, you can do it. Um, you know, uh, perhaps have that as your, your end goal, but over the next few years to build up and have a few events building up to that, which are your sort of B's and C's which are then all in preparation for, for, for the bigger goal. But no, have, a, have that big goal um, and just break it up into chunks um, along the way so that, you know, which is part of your training. And, you know, we are capable of doing a lot more than we think we are. You know, people get scared about thinking, not scared, but they might get apprehensive. You say, oh, you know, but that, that's 200 and something miles. Yeah, but break that down. You're not going for a record here break it down into more realistic chunks of what, what you personally think you're going to achieve. And it's a journey. You know, you put one foot in front of the other and you're having a fantastic journey until you finish, you know, and it's the experience of that whole thing. It doesn't have to be a race. It can be a journey, um, which is what America was, not America, South Africa was for me. That, that was a journey. And that was just fantastic, you know. Yeah, you've got to also have that um, sort of, feeling of not not to be worried about failing either um i think some some no, people may, actually, may be a bit yeah. scared of oh, i'll fail I'll, I'll let people down and all this sort of stuff and maybe that puts them off um but yeah but you know you you, know, you enter a race you do anything in life you know we're all going to fail at some i mean you know i've had two epic failures uh you know you are going to fail at some stage and failure is absolutely fine. I mean, if you haven't trained for things and, you know, whatever, actually, then that's your own fault. But you'll know that, you know, and if you fail at something, you go away. Yes, you're going to feel a bit despondent and a bit, you know, sad. That, that's natural. But actually go away and think about it and think, okay, why did I fail? Well, I failed because I didn't eat properly or I didn't train properly or actually I had a bit of an injury which I shouldn't really have started in the first place or just find out why it is that you failed in the first place and turn it into a positive and go back and you'll go back much stronger. So each time you fail, it makes you much stronger. So obviously times have moved on now. You've, you're no longer doing extreme long runs. You are still running shorter runs but you've moved very into, little bits you've, you've moved into new pastures of swimming and cycling how was that first swim for you horrid <laughs> oh yeah i've just done it in my book actually um no terrifying so i put it out there on, on i've had this fear of water for for many many years and um, it's a deep-rooted fear of water. So, I mean, I'll get into water. So I'll get into a swimming pool. I don't have a problem with that. I can't stand putting my face in the water and things, which is why I swim breaststroke like that. Um, I'll go into the sea, but I have to... I can't go out of my depths. I don't particularly like going out of my depths. And I cannot stand any fast-flowing water or anything like that. 
you know, when I'm out of my debt, absolutely just, I think I'm going to be sort of taken away somewhere. Um, so I put it out there after I got back from America that I was going to learn how to swim, how to overcome this fear. So Kevin, my lovely swim coach, he contacted me. He said, Mimi, I'll, he said, I'll teach you how to swim. So my first lesson, okay, I turned up with a bikini on because I didn't have a swimming costume. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm a right one on. So I didn't have a swimming hat and I've got hair that just flops everywhere. You know, it's not exactly something you can tie back and it doesn't come back. And the, but I did have a pair of goggles. I was quite proud of myself because I did have a pair of goggles. And I remember arriving at the pool, really, really nervous. And I sat, you know, got into the pool at the shallow end and Kevin said, right, come on, show me what uh, you can do. I went, oh, no, 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 <laughs> I can't do anything. And I explained my story to him. Anyway, so the first lesson was blowing bubbles in water. Uh, you know, literally putting my face in the water and blowing bubbles. And the first time I had to put my face in, I sort of came, <gasps> I came up and it was just that sort of, can't do it. Um, anyway, by the end of the lesson, I was putting my face in and I was blowing bubbles because I knew that the, the edge was just there. You know, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't drown. So I d didn't like it, but I did it. And then <laughs> the next few lessons were doing something called sink downs. Now, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the sink downs, but you, we started in the middle of the pool, you know, sort of the middle, not deep end, but sort of the middle bit, where you have to basically sort of take a breath underwater. And as you go underwater, you have to blow your breath out. So you sink to the bottom. Not me. Kevin does it. He just sinks like a rock. Me, I do it and the whole body rotates. My bottom goes up in the air. I'm still blowing out at this stage. I'm still not sinking. And eventually, oh, I have to come up because I can't breathe. And anyway, I got the hang of those. But I'm still, still not good at them. You know, some people, I think I'm just buoyant. Must be. Got a buoyant body or something. So, but yeah, I can now swim. Um, I can do it. But uh, I still get anxious in uh, where, about the breathing I mean, I can do the bilateral breathing and I can do that but I, I sort of I'm not totally relaxed with it you know it's after two years for goodness sake it's ridiculous isn't it, it well it's not natural for everyone you know running is natural for humans because that's how we evolved but swimming is not it's something we've had to learn it's not naturally installed into our bodies so you know some people take longer than, than others to learn a new skill and you've gone into cycling and doing your triathlons. Do you feel that's now sort of helped you with the process of dealing, not being able to run endurance anymore? Yeah, I think it has actually. Uh, when I came back from America, it was, I did find that very, very difficult. Um, I felt that a large chunk of me was missing because, you know, 20 years of my life had been, about running and suddenly I didn't have that anymore. And I actually at that stage didn't know whether I could run again. I mean, I could barely walk at that stage. I was in, you know, so much pain um, on the day-to-day sort of -day basis. So yeah, I was in a pretty dark place. I mean, I, I, I've been very lucky. I've never, apart from my eating disorder, I haven't had any mental health issues or anxiety issues um, or depression. I have been very lucky, but this, really it, it i had to go through um i suppose a bit like a grieving process yeah. with it um and and i did find myself going into this deep dark hole actually uh which was pretty scary and 
and I, I eventually had, I did have to have a good old talking to myself. Um, and just to say, Mimi, come on, you've got to pull yourself together here because it's not only going to impact you, it's going to impact your, your whole family, you know, if you do this. Uh, so I spoke to Mark Cobain, you know, madman who does all the Viking way and all that sort of thing. And uh, anyway, he suggested that I did Ride Across Britain, uh, which is Land's End to John O'Groats, because it was the, at that stage, it was the 10th year, 10th anniversary of my world record. Um, but it would be the other way around. So I would have cycled south, uh, north to south and uh, no, run north to south and then cycle up. So I signed up for it. Didn't even have a road bike at that stage. Um, I think at that stage I'd been cycling. I had a hybrid bike and I think the furthest I'd done at that stage was, was 10 miles. That was it. Because again, I had to build up my legs and stuff. Um, I wasn't allowed to do a huge amount of outdoor stuff. <laughs> so in the January, I actually bought a bike, and which was terrifying. Yeah, road bikes. I mean, they've got such thin tires, haven't they? And you know these. Oh, anyway, but I had to learn to take my hand off the handlebars without falling off, and you know, watch out for potholes and watch out for traffic. But slowly, slowly, slowly. Actually, I loved ride. Ride across Britain was just absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed it because again. It, was, it wasn't a race. It was all about the journey. It was the experience. And you're cycling 100 miles plus a day. It was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. And so that, that's, yeah. So my, my cycling, I've, I've got more confidence. I'm better at it now. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's taken me on some quite nice adventures as well. So yeah, I've been so, quite lucky. So although the, the running adventures with, with your feet may be, may be not the same anymore, your cycling and your swimming, your feet are now got new adventures, which, you know, as although you've done John O'Groats and Land's End, be it the other way, you it was a completely different adventure. It wasn't the same as yeah. running. So, you know, yeah. it's nice. And, and I think, yeah. It's nice. Well, yeah, I think it's nice. And, yeah. And also, I mean, I'm very lucky. Um, you know, I think sometimes... It, it, it's very difficult, isn't it? You know, it's the classic, um, you know, sort of saying, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. Sometimes you have to look a little bit harder for the one to open up again, but it's always there waiting for you. Um, and yeah, my feet having a great time now. They're a bit more relaxed and I would never have done the Pacific Coast Highway had I not been, you know, if I'd continued to run, I would never have experienced cycling the Pacific Coast Highway. I would never have gone open water swimming. You know, I wouldn't have done any of that. Yeah. So, you know, again, my, my running days in terms of long distance are, are definitely sort of over, but I'm having other adventures. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, I'm very lucky. Okay. So now I've got a question for my wife. When I said, Oh, I've got Mimi coming on. She was like, oh, that is. Uh, she, she has a question for you. Um, and this is it. Do you feel, that there is still a bias towards males being seen as runners and women as joggers and have you experienced any discrimination or prejudice being a female runner in your time oh that's a difficult question isn't it um I, well i think in the ultra running world i haven't had um from runners themselves i haven't had any form of discrimination or you know made to feel like a jogger um definitely not um, I think 
amongst my male friends when I first started running, um, I was definitely given a bit of a hard time uh, because I had three children and how could I go off for 10 days and leave my three children at home? They were very well looked after. Uh, they would never have said that to my husband when he goes off fishing for 10 days. You know what I mean? It's sort of, or people would say to me, when are you giving up running, Mimi? And I'd want to say, well, when are you going to give up golf? Or when are you going to give up, you know, tennis or whatever? So things like that sort of happen. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we have got some extraordinary female ultra runners we have indeed. Um, around now, you know, and the UK, we've got some great ones. So yeah, no, we're fighting back, um, you know, and I don't, I, I, I really think that in the ultra running world, I don't, I don't feel that there's any, we're, we're not classified as joggers no. um, at all. I think we might be with people who are not runners, but I think in, in our world, no, I don't think we are at all. Yeah. I, and, and you sort of, you sort of hit it on the head when it came to the ultra running community, because we have females winning overall like yourself, Nikki Spinks, uh, Jasmine Paris, uh, Beth Pascal. Those runners are now literally changing the way females are seen in the running world. You know, there may be a big difference in athletics um, between, you know, the female 100 meter runners and the male 100 meter runners. But when it comes to endurance, there's not a lot of difference anymore um, between the two. Uh, not on the long stuff. Yeah. Yeah. On the really long stuff and the sort of expedition type sort of um, events. No. And, and actually it's not about, um, I think sometimes, you know, we used to say male and female, you know, but actually, you know, people like Jasmine Paris and they, they're very good athletes. doesn't matter whether she's a male or female. She's a very good athlete. Yes. Um, and I think that sometimes people forget doesn't matter whether she's male or female mm. she's a good athlete and she did that race incredibly well so that's that's what we've got to remember okay obviously once races and events are back on um, whatever form they take of normality is there anything in the pipeline for you no oh actually no yes well in theory although i'm hoping they're going to cancel as to be said um i'm supposed to be doing the <laughs> I was thrilled when swimming pools were closed. Um, I'm supposed to be doing the serpentine to two mile swim um, to get my big medal. Because oh, yeah. I've done the bike ride, I've done the marathon. Um, so I just got to do the swim. So that's the only thing that I've got lined up um, because I had all my stuff actually was up until June and I hadn't signed up for anything else. So all my stuff has sort of gone. But I'm hoping to do a big something um, next year. Um, so that'll be a more an expedition type event. So, but I'm trying to, we're trying to sort of organize it, but until the world is slightly more normal, we can't really start organizing or doing anything because it's sort of, it's a bit difficult at the moment. Um, uh, but we shall see. Achievements that we've gone through. Uh, what, which one means the most to you out of all of them and why? Oh, it's so difficult. They, they are when they're, they're all special in some sort. But there's got to be one that's just at the top. Yeah. Well, I think, oh, you see, I love my Arctic race. That, that was very, very special. I mean, that was very special. 
I think for me, one of my, the Spartathlon, you see, I was very proud of the Spartathlon. I didn't expect to come third female. But I think also, yeah, so that, that's got to be right up there. It's very difficult thinking about which ones is very, very special. But, but the one that, so my world record from top to bottom of Ireland uh, is one of those events where I don't think I, I could have done any better. You know, when you walk away from a race or something and you just think, do you know something? I, I left it out there, couldn't have done any more. And for me, Ireland was that. And so, yeah, I mean, I set myself a goal of doing it in three and a half days. Uh, I did it in three days, 15 hours. So I sort of didn't quite do it in three and a half days, but I couldn't, I don't think I couldn't physically done it any quicker. Um, and I was pretty pleased with that. Yeah. Um we have so a lot of three really we have a lot of uh beginners starting out now and lockdown lockdown runners as we we like to call them because they've taken it up because they're not working yeah. what have you or for fitness what would be your main tips and advice for them well i think always to to well i think the first thing is, is to, to 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 enjoy what you're doing um it, listen to your body uh, very important, you know, I think people, they start running, um, you know, I know as an example, you know, my sister who, you know, started running and she's, I mean, she was running before lockdown, but she then stopped and then so she started again. She said, right, I'm going to do X amount every single day. And I said, well, if you do, if you say you're going to do that every single day, I said, that's a big ask to do it every single day. So I think be sensible about your goals, you know, perhaps go out three times a week, possibly four times a week. It doesn't really matter, but be realistic. Take it, build it up nice and slowly. Enjoy the process. Um, keep yourself fit. It's being consistent, really. And then when we come out of lockdown, you might think, right, now I'm going to go and do a park run or I'm going to go and do this, you know. So it, it's, it's, yeah, it's listening to your body, being sensible. Um, and yeah enjoying it i think for me it's all about going out and enjoying it it doesn't matter about speed or anything like that at the, at the moment it's just going out and just putting one foot in front of the other and just really loving it right we're going to finish off with 10 quick fire questions now well as quick as we could possibly get it to. <laughs> okay if there was right so the first one if you could run again i endurance wise in the ice, the jungle, or the desert, which one would you go and do again? Uh, the, um, uh, the desert. Okay. Do I have to give you a race that I would do? No, no, just, yeah. just one lead. No? No, that's fine. Um, question number two, your favorite food you like to snack on during a long race or run? Oh, that's a difficult one. Baby bells. Uh, your favourite country you've ever run in? South Africa. If pink couldn't be your favourite colour anymore, what other colour would it be? Um, a turquoisey blue. <laughs> like the top you've got on now. <laughs> um, I know, you see? Yeah. Uh, who cooks in your house, you or, or your hubby? Oh, me, definitely. Okay. Uh, What's your current favourite brand of running shoe? Um, I've always done um, Hoka's. Okay. Uh, 
is there an athlete that inspires you to to keep pushing yourself keep going doing whatever you want to do no there isn't a particular one so i just love um at the moment now i just love following and just seeing all the amazing pe things that other people are doing and what they're doing and yeah i'm in total i'm in total awe of anybody actually at the moment it's lovely okay if you could run with anyone in the world dead or alive who would you like to go for a run with oh my dad actually nice uh what's your favorite post-race meal so when you've finished your running and you want to scoff loads of food down what was your post favorite meal oh shepherd's pie <laughs> and peas oh yes love it and last question road or trail running which was your preferred i was better at road okay i prefer trail but i'm better at road excellent um well that brings us to the end mimi it's been an absolute pleasure if people want to follow you um and check out your new adventures where can they find you um mostly well i'm on twitter and i'm on instagram so it's marvelous mimi and i'm on facebook so i'm i'm just i'm everywhere i haven't i haven't managed to do tiktok yet yes it's far too complicated <laughs> you have a book already out and you're currently writing one is your is your book that's out still available oh yeah it is but at the moment i think amazon apparently have run out of stock um i think due to the virus obviously and so, but I do have copies. So if you need or would like to have a copy, you can contact me and I can um, get it to you. Well, thank you very Beyond much. Beyond impossible, it's very me, good. Th thank you very much for letting me catch up with you um, and listening to your adventures. Um, I've been a long time fan of yours. Uh, you're one of my biggest inspirations, um, along with quite a few female runners. Um, so thank you for allowing me to have this privilege of interviewing you. Um, I'm going to pause okay. the recording and uh, we'll have a quick finish chat afterwards. But thank you very much, Mimi. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thank you very much for having me. So that was Mimi Anderson. Uh, absolutely loved making that uh, podcast with her. Love it a bit. Fabulous woman. Fantastic uh, runner. And now into her cycling and swimming as well. Um, go check her out. Follow her. Um, buy a book. Um, for me, she's one of the biggest inspirations uh, I have in my life. Um, and I hope that she becomes inspiration to others. If you liked what you uh, heard or watched, depending on how you you um, viewed and listened to this please give us a subscribe a like a review on the podcast streams um youtube all those all right come follow me um i'm on pretty much everything uh, let me know what you think um until next time on if my feet could talk <laughs>